When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three. Hello and welcome to It's All Cobblers to Me, the podcast about the trials and tribulations of Northampton Town Football Club. I'm Charles and joining me to celebrate the life of the greatest corner flag ever to grace six fields are Chessie Jeffy Coleman, Danny Brothers and Neil Edgerton Scott. RIP corner flag. It lived a long and happy life in the corner isn't it? it's, it's, dis- it's difficult to talk about isn't it um, the life of this flag uh, I, don't, I don't really know what to say apart from uh, condolences to the friends and family of the flag the um, other three flags the other three flags <laughs> and the one that came on as a substitute baby flag how crap have you got to be to be a substitute flag <laughs> ridiculous can we please shout out the lad who ran spectacularly past all the XSE fans and with such such grace and drama dropped that flag in because it was a wonderful moment. I love the fact that Tim Oglethorpe and Jake Sharp both referenced it looking like that he was carrying the Olympic torch. It literally <laughs> was. It was. So it Brilliant. wasn't Steve Phillips and Saturday then, Charles, because he probably would have said, oh, I should have scored. <laughs> <laughs> no, thankfully it wasn't Steve. I can't actually remember who it was now. It was Leon, Leon Barnett. Barnett. Uh, Leon Barnett. Imagine. Yeah, it was, it was good old Leon. I'm Nicky Adams and it's all Cobblers to me. Before we get started, it's time to thank our patrons. While Cobblers to me is free to listen to, it's not free to produce. If you enjoy what we do and can afford it, you can support the making of it by becoming a friend of the podcast on Patreon. Just like Giles Lawrence, Craig West and the Molten Masters Walking Footballers. You can choose from a variety of tiers starting at just $2 a month. To find out more, head over to cobblerstome.com or patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. I'm Chris Hargreaves and it's all cobblers to me. After three defeats on the bounce, the Cobblers got back to winning ways against Exeter on Saturday and what a start it was. With Vidane Oliver scoring inside the first minute of the game and what a goal it was. Oh, what a goal. 
I've got um, some notes in the podcast notes here saying I need to start gushing about this goal. So I'm going to put on my best gushing voice when I talk about D- Danny, what does the note actually say? <laughs> no, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be able to find out if you give us $10 a month. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I, um, we haven't even eaten or I, I even opened our Fantastics, Charles, when Verdain smashed that in. What was it, 54 seconds, wasn't it? 54 it was so seconds. Early. Yeah, 54 it was so really early. early. I mean, I didn't see it. Mike Fuller definitely didn't see it, did he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually Bam. looked at Danny in complete shock and disbelief with my hands well, many, on my head like many what people do, is going you? on <laughs> like what what pretty is happening yeah, yeah. yeah pretty standard day people looking at me in shock <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. It was a brilliant start, though. I don't think any of us expected that against the team that was second in the league, did we? Yo, you didn't, Charles, did you? Just you, know, <laughs> you were effing and jeffing on WhatsApp. You'd given up, oh, Charles. You'd given up before the game even started. I had. I was in a bad mood on Saturday when it came to the cobblers before the game. I was just like, no, I've had enough. I'm done. Back on the wave now, though. It's fine. It's all, all is forgiven. I thought we'd score early. I was pretty confident. Um, <laughs> Missed and the So... <laughs> predicted it I think for Dane Oliver in the 50, 55th second 54th <laughs> 54th sorry I mean typically it wasn't just for Dane that got on the score sheet uh, it was uh, our other podcast favourite Sam Hoskins uh, who <laughs> scored his 11th goal of the season from the penalty spot uh, Danny I'm going to ask is it time he got a bit of credit it is but he won't get it will he it- he didn't really get in the game, did he? It was probably one of his first touches of the game. <laughs> um, that penalty. I thought Exeter were playing pretty much in control, especially the first half, and just Adams and Hoskins just weren't getting in the game. I don't think um, as much as they could. After the goal, I just think we didn't get into the game at all, and we rely a lot on Adams and Hoskins getting forward, and the way Exeter played just didn't let us do that. So I don't think Hoskins should get too much more credit for this game because I don't think he was in it that much. But he, you know, top scorer. What's that? Eleven now on his on his way to twenty. Yeah, well, that's it. He's, uh, that's 11 goals um, in all competitions this season. So he is the top goal scorer in the squad. But somebody I did see on, on the social media at some point, whether it was on Twitter or Facebook, basically did put down the saying, well, it's only eight goals in the league. He's not the actual outright top goal scorer for <laughs> league goals. And I just thought some people just don't want to give him anything, do they, Neil? Why are you asking me that? <laughs> <laughs> I just, just Neil, was, Neil was cock a hoop when Sammy stuck that in. I was. I saw him, threw his hat in the air, nicked a program. I, did, I, I, <laughs> I turned down the offer of a stolen program because I'm a, a, an honest guy. Yeah, no, he, look, he's never going to get the credit, is he? Um, from some sections of the support, some people make their mind up on a player and refuse to be. Or refuse to see it any other way, really, don't they? And I think, you know, he's he does polarise opinion, I think. And I mean, even on this podcast, he has done in the past, hasn't he? But this season is definitely it's probably his best season for us, I think. Um, and he's he's calm when it comes to penalties, isn't he? He doesn't look like he's ever going to miss one. So long way. Oh, to now you've now you've done it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Little Sammy, look, he knows. He think he sits there when he's lining up. I wonder what's going through his head. I imagine he thinks about Love Island. Aside from that, though, isn't he um, by a long way our longest serving player now and has been a fantastic servant for the club in general? Mm. So even given what Neil and Danny have both just said, surely just the amount of time and service that he's given to this club should be you know, evidence enough that he does deserve the credit that that we say he should be getting. Testimonial time soon, I think. Testimonial for Sam. Testimonial. Though. Sam Hoskins testimonial. <laughs> Draw <laughs> the crowds in. <laughs> the thing is, I mean, there's still people on Twitter, isn't there, that say that we won't get promoted with Hoskins in the team, or they say things like... We did get promoted with Hoskins in the team. We did. Well... What a stupid statement to make. We did. I think they mean now. I think they mean this time around it won't happen. But anyway, you know... I don't think it'll be Sam Hoskins' fault. Exactly. There's 11 players on the pitch, 18 in the squad or whatever, and a manager alongside that and a coaching team. It's not just one human, is it? You know what I think it is with Hoskins is sometimes it's 
what people potentially think he can be rather than what he actually is. Yeah. Uh, people think he should be able to do all these great things. And when he doesn't, they get annoyed. But if we take him for what he actually is, he doesn't, it just is not that bad a player. No. <laughs> it's, it's the fact that some people want him to beat three men every time. And when he does it once, that means he's going to do it for the rest of the game. It, it doesn't. He's just, <laughs> he just can, he's got it in his locker and, that's why he's still playing at League Two level. It's not why he's, you know, if he if he could finish and he could put balls in at the rate that people want him to, he'd be in the championship. But it's not. So just taking for what he is, he's a decent player for our team at the minute. It's like that, um, their winger they had, that the, the Exeter fan last week on the pod was <coughs> was raving about. What was his name? Um, the little one, Matt Jenny. He had great hair. Randall, is it? Randall, that's it. Yeah, the guy with the ponytail-ish yeah, kind of. Yeah, great yeah. hair. So the, the Exeter fan on the pod last week said, Look, he's really one to watch. He's really tricky and stuff. But he did say his crossing isn't great. And actually, I thought his crossing was terrible. There was numerous times, especially in the first half, where he he got into a good crossing position and it, it trickled along the floor or it hit the first man. It was very, you know, what, what Sam Hoskins does. But you look at him, he's got a couple of tricks. Oh, he's amazing. He's brilliant. Well, actually, mm-hmm. the, out, the output and the the end product was the same. I mean, he obviously has got a good end product because he's had a good season, that guy, hasn't he? But on Saturday, I thought it just, it is exactly like sometimes what Sam Hoskins does. He'll do something good and then he'll, he'll kick it off or he'll hit the first man and stuff. And he's playing in league two for a reason, like you said, Danny. So it's, he's always going to get stick because, you know, people refuse to change their minds, don't they? It's similar with, with Keith Cole. It's the Josh Lowe effect, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, well, Josh Lowe. What guy? Well, well, from one player that, divides opinion to a player that I don't think does. It was a welcome return to the matchday squad for Alan McCormack uh, on Saturday. And Chester, you noticed the animal getting involved in the game long before he came on the pitch for Paul Anderson, didn't you? Yes, he was uh, playing a load of old tricks. Uh, literally, it was brilliant as well because it, we couldn't have been closer to it if we tried. Me, Neil and Danny sit effectively in a straight line directly in front of each other or behind each other and we literally were you could... playing offside with each other <laughs> yeah, yeah we could have been <laughs> playing the love train formation from the corner <laughs> yeah, yeah literally <laughs> that's exactly what it's like that's a perfect analogy Danny well done but Alan comes strolling up that touchline with uh, his classic cheeky look on his face and he every single time the ball went out for a throw in or a corner he was in Adam's ear like you wouldn't believe and the best bit about it was Adams was taking it all in absolutely everything and it was like they'd planned it all along it was brilliant absolutely brilliant i just love that man so much he is brilliant he's he was doing absolutely it for, brilliant he was doing it for general play as well wasn't he just like trying to point people in the directions. It says to me what kind of leader he is and probably if he ever goes into management, I mean, God help his team. Based a half-time rollicking of him. But it, it's that kind of leadership that we've been missing and just, just putting people in positions. It sounds simple, but I, I feel like we've been missing that quite a lot from him. We need to bubble wrap him for the next few <laughs> months to make sure that he can just be be unbubble wrapped every Saturday and then rebubble wrapped for the week. Please make that literal. Definitely need him. Just have a cage by the side of a pitch with him in. He'd break out of it. He's an animal. (laughs) I I was a bit disappointed that he wasn't chastising the opposition. Oh, he was doing that as well. Don't you worry. He was up to all sorts. He's unstoppable, that man. How did uh, how did the squaring up between him and Dean Moxie go on the uh, sideline? Well, Moxie didn't get on, did he? So I think that tells yeah, he did. Its own story. He did. Oh, did. He did. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Moxie Before. got on Charles, so uh, <laughs> that tells its own story. <laughs> uh, there's a part of me that just just imagined before the match that it was a bit like the uh, Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury sort of you know handbags where they were pushing each other at the it wasn't even the weigh-in was it I, I think they got banned from actually doing that at the weigh-in but I, I was thinking that's the, that's the animal and Dean Moxie uh, on, on the subs bench maybe at half time a, a bit of extra entertainment for the fans but, but the thing is the animal didn't stay on the bench he was up and down that touchline barking out his orders it was great fun he spent literally 80 minutes on the touchline and then 10 minutes on the pitch we were critical last week, weren't we, Neil, um, of Keith Kell's substitutions against Walsall, but he got it right this time, didn't he? You're right. He, he did get the, the substitutions right, I think. He brought on, didn't he? Who did he bring on? He brought on Pollock and Harriman. Oh. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, he, he brought Harriman on for Anderson, didn't he? No, it was... Um, it was Dane, wasn't it? Which at the Dane. time was like, here we go again. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think there was that, oh, he's just bringing on a defender for a striker, what's going on here and stuff. But actually, it was it was perfect because they were starting to get a bit of um, joy down the, down the wide areas, weren't they? And I think he switched it around a little bit and changed it around, which was good. Um, and I thought Pollock, when he came on, I thought he was brilliant. Um, I'd say that's probably his best however long he had, 30 minutes or however long it was, um, performance for us. I thought he looked, he made a real difference. And uh, it was interesting because I, I had the the radio on in the car afterwards and uh, they interviewed Keith Curl as they do, obviously. It took him about 25 minutes this time, Charles, you'll be pleased to know. <laughs> I know, I listened. <laughs> and uh, it was, he, he, he talked about Scott Pollock, didn't he? And, he? and he said he likes his midfielders to tackle. Um <laughs> And he said when he walked over to, to kind of shake Pollock's hand after the game, uh, he, what, Pollock said to him, did you see that tackle I did? And, and, <laughs> did and Keith from Lowe said, I see all the tackles and the ones that aren't tackles. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> I see, I all, see the all the tackles. Yeah, it was something like that. I was, see all your tackles. <laughs> but it was good because it, 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 <laughs> it is clearly having an impact on Pollock because he, he did he did get stuck in more than I've noticed before, but he still, mm. he still played some nice stuff when he got the ball as well. So long may it continue. I'd like to see him play more, to be honest. I think, I don't know. It, I, I do feel a bit like Chris Lyons is a bit of a passenger in a lot of the games. Um, it's a weird one, isn't it, with Pollock? Cause he kind of, when he comes on, I always see him there and that might not make much sense, but with Chris, <laughs> with Chris Lyons, with Chris Lyons and sometimes even Watson, I think I don't really notice when they've got the ball. But with Pollock, I actually see it feels like he's there kind of thing. I yeah, don't know I know what you mean. But, but it's like you notice him doing stuff. And it might be because he's a young lad and we're, we're keeping an eye out for him. But it just feels like he's got a lot more control of the ball in there. And it's more yeah. suited to actually being that anchor. I agree. I, I fully agree. I actually don't think if, if everyone was fit, I probably wouldn't be starting Ryan Watson or Chris Lyons, I don't think. I think Pollock was was the strongest candidate out of the midfield. And I think when he came on, he made a massive difference. He actually set up that second goal. I know it was a penalty at the end of the passage of play, but he lost the ball in midfield and then was so determined to get it back, got it back and then pumped it up top. And that was it. That They were away. And Morton was really quick. So it ended up in, in the penalty. So I think he broke up a lot of play in midfield because we weren't really using or utilising the midfield at all on Saturday until he came on, I don't think. And I think the boys agreed with me with, with on that point, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just felt like we didn't have that person in front of the defence who's just going to take control of the ball. Like Lines and Watson are fairly similar to each other in that they want the ball to their feet, but they're not necessarily going to be the ones that are shutting it off from defence. So we needed a Pollock or an animal or you know, what the Jod Turnbull was doing as well in the last couple of weeks. Just that person in front of the defence that's going to take hold of the ball. Can we just shout out for Dane Oliver while we're talking about substitutions? For Dane right? Oliver! For Dane Oliver! <laughs> <laughs> um, because, um, obviously for people that weren't there, um, he dragged himself off of the pitch right near the east stand and trawled right round past the east, past the north and past the west and he literally could not walk. He'd worked so hard. He just dragged himself around the pitch and he was, he just worked his absolute socks off the whole game and I love to see a player like that who is willing to put that shirt on and he'd really picked up a knock on his ankle a good 15-20 minutes before he was brought off and he played through it and he, he I just love him. I think he's absolutely brilliant for this club. He's um he's updated Instagram for Dane Oliver with a picture of him celebrating the goal and also a video clip of his goal and he's you're going to like this he's he's his for his messages on the hunt for one of those automatic spots. Yeah, oh, <laughs> Dane. Go. Go on, lads. Sam Hoskins has replied saying it's a mashup. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what that means. You know, like, they all know what it means. You know, um, you know Jordan Pickford has um, get the rave on on his boots written on. Does he? Yeah. yeah, I think uh, Sam Hoskins is like maybe that's what he's got in his boots. It's a mashup. Yes. <laughs> well, Jordan Turnbull's replied with mash. <laughs> what is going so on? So I don't know what's going on. Someone's replied saying VO nineteen for Euro twenty twenty. Ryan Watson's replied saying TNN, the new Nando's. 
Nando's yet. <laughs> um, Junior Marias has replied. So oh, hello, Junior. Yeah, he's Junior. piped up. De uh, Killy Dem Crazy. So there we Fab. go. Excellent. Footballers do talk in a different language, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, yes, well, they do. You're right. Maybe he's just played Kilmarnock and he's just saying they're mental. Don't kill you, they're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, were you expecting more from Exeter, do you think? I yes. think so, definitely. But I think the first goal knocked the stuffing out of them. It really did. Like they came and they had a game plan and within 54 seconds it was totally shot to pieces because we ruined it. So I think, actually, had we have not scored, which everyone can say in hindsight, had we have not scored, it would probably be incredibly difficult to pick up those points. But I think because we scored so early, um, they just didn't really know what to do. They were compl- every, Everyone in the whole entire stadium was shell-shocked. It, we hadn't even sat down. So everything <laughs> fell apart. Danny hadn't opened his yeah. tangfastics. <laughs> My tangfastics were barely out the pocket. Um, <laughs> other sweets I have available. <laughs> I, I thought uh, Exeter played some nice football, but were pretty toothless up front. They, I, I was trying to think. I don't think Daikonel actually had to make a proper save, really, did he? No, we were talking before, about this yeah. in the car on the way home. Like he didn't make save, and also they skied a lot, didn't they? A lot yeah. of them ended up at, at, up the hill or in the south stand. Like they had a couple of crosses that were sort of, you know looked a bit dangerous at one point but I think Brennan Dickinson put a put one in in the first half which sort of whizzed across the six yard box but apart from that there was they looked nice and they, they played a bit of alright stuff but actually like their number four in midfield looked good I don't know what his name is but is that the little Matt Jake guy no it wasn't the little man no it was the, it was the tall guy I mean, according to the highlights, the, the closest that Exeter actually came was through, first of all, a back pass from, from Lloyd Jones um, oh, that bobbled yeah. straight in front of Di Cornell. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah I remember that. And then the other one was Jordan Turnbull <laughs> narrowly missing out on an own goal. Yeah, that was about it. There wasn't, no, that's that, what was, I mean. that was planned, that was. <laughs> there wasn't I, much. No, I thought they were decent, though. I thought... They they do they were just lacking at the up front. I I was worried the whole first half thinking they're gonna score in a minute because I don't think we played that one well in the first half at all. Our midfield was being completely overrun and you could tell they've got something in there that's quality. But to be second in the league, it didn't it didn't feel like we were playing that type of team. No. Just, yeah, they were well organised now, they've got decent footballers, which is what you need for top three. Um they, they, they didn't feel like Swindon. No, it felt like they ran out of ideas, didn't it, when yeah. when we changed it around a bit. Yeah, they they felt a bit more limited than a couple of the other teams we've seen, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean there was never it was relatively comfortable actually, wasn't it? In hindsight, you always always feel less comfortable when you're there watching the game because it's cobblers and we know what they're like and we've seen it so many times before. But actually, in hindsight, it was pretty comfortable, wasn't it? I mean, the Exeter manager after the game, I don't know whether you've seen the video that's been uh, sent out by Exeter um, or read James Hennigan's sort of little interview um, report. Um, But Matt Taylor was not happy with Exeter's second half performance at all. I think he even used the word shambles. And limp. Yeah, and limp, (laughs) yes. Um, So I, I just kind of think that, well, maybe we caught them on an off day. Um, but he was very, very honest. I thought in that in that post match interview uh, it makes a bit of a change from having uh, people like David Artell coming here and blaming it on a bobbly pitch, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I don't necessarily think they were out thought or out tacticked, if that's even a word. I just think it wasn't their day, and, uh, and we were better on the day. Disagree with that. I think they couldn't cope with what we had. I think I actually think Curl got it spot on for once, which is a good thing. I think they probably did have a bit of an off day, but I think to say that they just had an off day takes it away from our performance. And That is very true. Very valid. Well done, Neil. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> they they played into our hands a little bit because they started doing the long balls and shots from yeah. distance that were just flying over the stands. And you just <laughs> you can almost see Keith Cole rubbing his hands together on the sidelines going, oh, note his, <laughs> note his name down for next season. That's a wonderful <laughs> 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 clearance. <laughs> Got his little red, that's what that red folder is he keeps bringing out. That's that's true, isn't it? We did we we did a we did a good job, and they they didn't have any answer. Am I right in saying that that maybe we changed our tack a little bit for this game, and that there was a bit more of the football being played 
Let's not go uh, that far, Charles. No, I, was, I don't think so. It was well. Uh, I think there was uh, maybe mildly. I wouldn't say we turned into free flow in Barcelona or anything like that. But there was a, there was definitely it seemed to there certainly seemed to be a little bit more thought behind what we were doing. They were a bit more targeted direct balls as opposed to just continuously lumping it. And don't get me wrong, there was some continuous lumping as well. But when it was needed, there was a couple of times when you know they had a bit of pressure and I think. Ryan Watson was guilty of it a couple of times and Paul mm. Anderson have just literally just humping it as far as they can at the pitch. Um, but I think it, it seemed to be a little bit more targeted and a little bit more yeah, thought out and it worked. And, and there was a bit of football played as well. You know, there was some good passes and certainly in the second half, the first half was a bit of a poor show, but you know, it was it, it was better, I think. So were we all back on the wave? I've always been on the wave. I'm uh, I'm, I'm getting back up on the surfboard. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm not sure still, but I'm happy we won. I'm Alan Neil and it's all cobblers to me. After several weeks' absence, people will think the return of Neil's postbag to the pod in the same week that Alan McCormack returned to the cobblers squad might be no coincidence. Are the animal and the postbag one in the same? Have they ever been seen in the same room before? Coincidence or not, we've been inundated with tweets and messages over the last couple of weeks about the issue of value for money. On Saturday night, both Nat Witz and Dan Clark got in touch to say that if Keith Curl is awarded a new contract at the end of the season, they won't be renewing their season tickets, regardless of which league we find ourselves in. Danny, you're a season ticket holder. What are your thoughts? This stuff about not wanting to renew season tickets and... Or like some people to go on Twitter and say, I'm going to rip up my season ticket, don't they, after one bad performance. I think it's all reaction a lot of the time and it's people looking for a little bit of a reaction on, on social media. Um, it comes a little bit down to loyalty, I guess, for me. You, know, you, you see, we've chatted on the post, on the post box, <laughs> on, the, <laughs> on the podcast um, and just been like, we're so fed up. Um, will we want to go again next week but we, we rock up again next week don't we um, it's just it's habit we we go more than what's on the pitch I guess the, we go with go to see the people we go with take our kids we be part of that crowd and community of people around us and we just kind of go out of habit but and there's an element of just you are loyal to the cobblers um, no matter what's happening we've got about I would say about four four and a half thousand people who will turn up no matter what's going on and we've all done it we've been there we've been up and down the country, some of us, no matter what's going on in a lot worse situations than this. Um, and we come back because we love it and because we love the club. And I don't think people who say, I'm going to rip up, I'm not going to renew my season ticket are being honest. I don't think, it doesn't excuse what's going on on the pitch in the minute. But I think if you've got the chance to buy a season ticket, if you've got the time and money to go every other week and go away and things like that, then, and you don't take it up, um, then that's your decision. But I think you question your loyalty if that's the if that's the case because I I see it having lived away from Northampton for quite a few years where I used to every time I come down it feels like a really big occasion a big thing a big deal to do actually now it feels it still feels a little bit like that and I feel like you know next season I might not be able to do it again financially or time wise and everything so just I don't know it just it just doesn't make sense for me to say I'm going to throw away my season ticket because what's going on on the pitch is only really a tiny bit of what you go for I, I enjoyed. Dave Knight's message, which was that to say that if anybody goes to the Cobblers for the football, then they are crazy. It's all about the day out with your mates, a few beers and a laugh up the Cobblers. <laughs> that was definitely, to be fair, he's quite right, especially the away games. You're not going because you're going to look at and watch attractive football, are you? You're not going. You're not going to be expected to be entertained, really, are you? It's not. You know, it's it's League Two football. It's you, you go, surely you go because it's the club you support. And, and exactly like Danny said, you know, you, you'll see a few of your mates, you'll have a good time, you'll have a beer. You know, it's it's sort of the whole experience, isn't it? As opposed to literally just the football. We've said before, haven't we? A lot of the time on away days, the football actually spoils the away day. So, <laughs> That's so true. You definitely did with Charles at Crew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, I kind of like, yeah, I, I kind of, I mean, it's not that bad. I don't, it, it, it's things are nowhere near bad enough to, to sit there and say, well, I'm not going to renew my season ticket. I, I think that's, 
it's extreme, isn't it? It's not like we're just fighting off relegation or something like that or anything. Like yeah. it's been a it's been a relatively enjoyable season, especially after the last three seasons. And what do we what do we say when we get like a a moment where we get like a cup upset or we get a promotion and you now everything comes together for for one afternoon and everyone's celebrating on the pitch? What do we say? We think we say, oh, this was worth all those cold Tuesdays watching awful footballs. Exactly. <laughs> and you're not going to remember the style of football in ten years if we go up this year. We'll just remember either celebrating on a Newport's pitch on the last day of the season or celebrating at Wembley if we go up in the playoffs you know you don't look at it through like the years worth of football I think the only time when we can honestly say as a football club we will take the whole year and look at the year look at what we did over that spell would be Wilder's year and I think that is is the problem I have said it before I think we our expectations are so high because of that when actually if you look at Coldwood's year Ian Atkins year we didn't play pretty football it was it just did the job didn't it Mr. Garley on Twitter, that's at Mr. Garley, along with a few other things that he messaged us about, he, he basically, this point stood out for me, which was that he said, there's such a negativity amongst supporters for a club that sits in the playoff places. Mm. And he's right, because I can't remember a season where we were in the, you know, the, the top seven. We are still up there at the top of the league. I don't remember it being like that in the season which, you know, we all kind of want to forget, which was the A.D. Boothroyd playoff final season. It was um, similar back then. But was it as negative? I don't think it was, but only because of Bayo. Yeah. He, he yeah, brings big, his own kind of positivity, doesn't he? No matter who's the manager. Yeah. Is, he deflected away from Boothroyd quite a lot, I thought. But, you know, even that season, you know, the, the, the football was atrocious. And, you know, we'd, we'd fluked a lot of 1-0 wins and stuff, haven't we? But then you look at, you know, the Cheltenham away in the semi-final, sold out away end, fans singing at half-time, having a great time and stuff. So it's kind of like, you know, the football is a little bit secondary to a point. It, you know, results is the main thing, right? And I, I don't, I think there is a lot of negativity around. And I think that's... This, this, we're still going through that process, I guess, aren't we, of the of recovering from the, the years after Chris Wilder and, and that successful season. I think there's there's still some way to go that. And I think, unfortunately, some people are never going to be happy, are they? You know, like you, you win, you know, they'll still find something to moan. I mean, Christ, I'm like it a lot of the time. So <laughs> it's like, you know, people moan and people are never happy and people, you know, they'd, they'd be the ones to moan. And this is what really frustrates me that, Say, oh, why, why don't we play better football and why don't we play more expansive football and more exciting football and more free-flowing football and stuff? They'd be the first ones to moan if we did that and we lost every game. Well, they probably were last season under Dean Austin. Under Dean Austin, yeah, exactly. That, and that's what frustrates me. Yeah, the football's crap. It's terrible. It's it's not. There's nothing really clever about the football we play. There's nothing, you know, it's obvious what we're going to do and how it works and stuff. But it, to a point, it does work. If, if it's good enough to take us up or not, that, that remains to be seen, doesn't it? But it, to a point, it works. I said to somebody on Twitter on Saturday night that it would be interesting to know what it was like in the years after that Graham Carr side walked the old Division 4. Because I know that obviously we did come back down into Division 4 again at some point. I don't remember it myself. I um, wasn't alive. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it'd be interesting to see how many, for how many years after every team, every manager was being compared to back to that title winning season which is what I feel is happening quite a lot you know with with the Chris Wilder team and, and that season it would be interesting I think if if we could have somebody who, who could remember it well and say well yeah actually it took us till about 1994 when we moved to Sixfields for us to forget all about that and to start again kind of thing or whatever it was however long it took I, I just think that there, there are going to be a lot of fans of the club now that came on board during that promotion and title winning season. And they've had a lot to put up with. I mean, we all have for the last four years since. I think that maybe some people are starting to sort of look at it and go, is it worth it? Or should I go back to watching football on my armchair with a Sky and BT subscription? The thing is, what we've what we've said all along it, is that you just don't go for the football alone, do you? You go for the, the experience. I I remember going to my first Cobblers game when I was five. I was thirteen when I saw them score for the first time. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope you didn't just sit at Sixfield for the whole time. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was two years after that that I saw them win for the first time. Like you do it because it's not because you want 
it, it's not because you you're there to see them win it it's just that whole experience it's that whole do you know what i'm gonna go and watch cobblers it's the hope it's the hope that carries you it's nothing to do with you know because we can't sit here and say every august that we reckon we're gonna win the league because it's just we're not going to so nobody goes as a cobblers fan expecting to win i don't think because we've we've experienced that love for the club and not because of the football like neil was saying not because of the football just because of the community and the experience of a match day you know we don't go because we're convinced that we're going to win and we certainly don't go for the football so actually you know you you've got to take it with a pinch of salt it's interesting that you say about the armchair fans that watch sky and stuff charles Mm. i nipped out earlier to get some food and I had five live on and it was Robbie Savage doing his, his 606 phone-in thing. And a Man United fan rang up. Really Where was moaning. he from? London. Whee. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think he might have been, actually. <laughs> <laughs> On his way yeah. back to the <laughs> I think he might have been. But it, he, he was ranting and raving and moaning about Solskjaer and stuff, <laughs> despite the fact that United had just beaten Watford 3-0. Um, and he was ranting and raving and moaning. And he, and he was saying, oh, I'm, I'm in my 40s now. I've been, I've been watching... Man United for 38 years. I listen to them on the radio every single week. And in my head, I was like, so you've not been watching them, have you, mate? You can't form the same opinion from listening on the radio to watching them, watching them live. And, it, and, and there was a there was a few fans of, of big teams that rung in that were kicking off and moaning and stuff and, and saying this, that, and, and whatever about, like, there's a couple of Arsenal fans that rang in. In fact, there was one from Northampton that was an Arsenal fan that rang in. And, and they were all kicking off a moaning and stuff of these guys. They probably never, ever go to watch their team and stuff. And I think some of that is is true for, for Cobblers fans on a much lower level, obviously. Um, but we have, a, we have a certain, you have some fans that don't go and watch the games and don't make it to the games and stuff that will kick off and moan about style of play and stuff. And it's very difficult to form a proper judgment unless you're watching it, right? Yeah, you're completely right. I mean, think about what I said to you on Saturday. I said that I'd sat there listening to the game here at home and I'd said that it sounded really like a boring game. No, it wasn't the fault of the commentators. Sorry, Tim. Um, It was just that it sounded like a a fairly bog-standard, boring football match, whereas you said to me, I quite enjoyed it, actually. I thought actually being here, it was a good spectacle. Yeah, it was it was watchable. It was, look, by, don't get me wrong; it wasn't one you'd want to necessarily watch back again on on the DVD. But it was <laughs> it it was watchable, and it was relatively interesting at times. It was a watchable game. It wasn't. I've seen a lot worse games, uh, and it wasn't that boring. It was, well, despite the lack of chances, it was still it plucked my interest. Shall we say, Charles? I'm Chris Freestone, and it's all cobblers to me. If you've got an opinion or a story about the cobblers, we'd love to hear it. You can get in touch with us on social media or visit cobblerstome.com. One such story we heard about this week was Phil Garlick being reunited with his cobblers pin badge after nearly 30 years of it being lost in a friend's house. Uh, That was interesting. Um, Although, Mike, we don't want to hear about your visit to a Leeds United match. Maybe it was the same guy who nicked the pin badge that stole the programme on... (gasps) On Saturday. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Serial, serial thief. Hello, I'm the voice of Gaviscon, Max Rushton, and it's all cobblers to me. This week, the cobblers play two games in League Two. You'll find my chat with Cheltenham fan Owen Knight in a separate bonus pod in your feed. But right now, I'm talking with a Grimsby fan. So I'm joined now by Grimsby fan Chris Kirk. How are you doing, Chris? You okay? Yeah, good, thank you. I'm presuming that you're ecstatic. Ian Holloway as manager took over, oh, what, about 10 games ago now? Yeah, around, around the new year. I think a lot of fans, when it was originally being talked about uh, and it was being handed about, a lot of Grimsby fans were just, yeah, there's no way that's going to happen. You know, why on earth would he come here? I'm sure we can't afford him. Why would he drop down into, into League Two? He's never managed at that level before. Um, but yeah, fair play to to the the, the club's board and and shareholders. They they went all out and, and pulled it off. So it's been a it's been a, a kind of a bit of a crazy ride since then. I think um, one thing you get with Ian Hall of show really of of, of PR that he, that he does. Um, he's been meeting fans. He's been doing meet and greets. He's been going out to local schools um, and local organisations and meeting people. And, and it's great. It's great to see. Um, 
it's great to see the, the link between the club and the, and the fan base being re-established. It's been lost, I think, over recent years. And he's been he's been working really hard to ultimately try and get more bums on seats. But I think if you probably ask most Grimsby Town, so that's all well and good. But the main goal is to improve results and try and get us up the table. All in all, I think he's done that. I think what he's the main thing he's done is got us played in a positive way. I think the, the last manager and the caretaker manager played on in a very kind of passive way, wanting us to not concede, but not really take the game to the opposition. Not the way we know that's just not the way that <laughs> he sets his teams up. He's very attack minded. He wants teams to pass the ball, keep possession, get the ball out wide, and get behind teams. And that's what we've been doing. But I suppose the the impact of that, or, or one of one of the implications of that, is that it's probably made us a little bit more open. Uh, and we're still conceding quite a few goals, but the, the goal four column has gone up considerably in this time. So let, let's talk a little bit about the impact that Holloway's had off the pitch. Now, one of the things that I suppose I was quite surprised to hear, actually, when he took over, was that he didn't just become your manager, but he's actually also bought shares in the club. Has he got a place on the board, or is it just a minority shareholding as a kind of thank you for letting me back into football? Yeah, I think he does become a board member, effectively. Although, he's in terms of ownership of the club, um, I think he's bought £100,000 worth of shares, which doesn't make him anywhere near, even a minority sort of shareholder, really. But yeah, he, he will have this kind of strange role of also being on the board. So a lot of cynical Grimsby fans kind of see that as him making himself unsackable. Um, <laughs> he wouldn't be necessarily sanctioning his own his own sacking. But I think from his point of view, he's, he's, he's kind of done it as a commitment. You know, he, he, I've never heard of any manager ever ever having necessarily, you know, invested money in the club himself um, when taking a job before. So it's quite unique in that respect. But it, show, it shows a level of commitment, doesn't it? Yeah, I know that Phil Brown, when he was in charge of South End, he definitely had shares and was much in the same way as Ian Holloway has with Grimsby. He had a, a say, let's say, in the running of the club, not necessarily wasn't necessarily a board member or, or a, a, as you say, enough to be a necessarily a minority shareholder, but he definitely had some shares in the club. Um, and some of the South End fans that I know have cited that as being the reason why it took him so long to get sacked towards the end of his South End reign. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably what it might do with Ian is, is when things do go wrong or it seems to have run its course, then it might buy him more time more than ever than what it would anyone else. Um, but, you know, he sees it as a long-term project. I think one of the things that, that, that excited him when he was a project to try and get us into a new stadium, which has been going on for as long as I can remember, which has never happened. Yeah, it's an unusual situation, but I think Grimsby fans are just happy to enjoy the ride while it's still going relatively well and, and, and things are positive, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I absolutely love uh, that I saw when he took over was did he do an interview in a fish and chip shop? <laughs> yeah, well, his, his interview. I think he, when he when he met the, the majority, we don't have a chairman, we have a majority shareholder, and I think he went and met him and a couple of the other board members in a in a fish and chip restaurant in Cleethorpes uh, to sort of bash it all out. So, yeah, I think he enjoyed the local fish and chips. So. <laughs> I think that's the deal. Good stuff. And I've also seen a video that circled on Twitter, I think maybe in, in one of the, the restaurants before the game, you know, for, for the people that pay that little bit more to experience the, the prawn sandwiches. He did a little speech for them, something to do with Scunthorpe United, maybe really playing on trying to get on the fans' side. <laughs> yeah, he said something a little bit naughty about one of your ex-players, Kevin Van Bain, as well. Oh, we can do that. Um, That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's had to apologise because he referred to him at one of these events as a, as a ginger pig, uh, which didn't go down too well, don't think, with the Scunthorpe fans, and he, he apologised uh, afterwards. Because that is a local derby for you, isn't it, Grimsby and Scunthorpe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, it's a big local derby, yeah. Well, you have been doing quite well, really, since he took over. So the stats are that you've won five, lost three and drawn three. 23 points from 41. That's not a bad going. You're currently 16th in League Two. And, OK, your last game was a 3-1 loss to Swindon uh, away from home. But, I mean, that's no bad thing, I don't think, to lose to the league leaders. But before then, 
You'd won your last two games, uh, at home to Morecambe and away at Colchester. You got a draw at Bradford and a, and a draw at home to Forest Green. So things have actually been going quite well for you recently. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But like, like I said, performances have improved. Certain individuals within the team, particularly who were struggling for form a little bit before Ian Holloway came along, have suddenly had a new lease of life. The main one that I'll single out for that will be Charles Burnham. He was sent out on loan by the last manager to Chorley in the National League. Uh, he did pretty well there. I think he scored a few goals there. And, and when Michael Jolly was sacked, uh, Anthony Limbrick, the, the caretaker manager, called him back from that loan. Uh, and since he's come back into the team, he's looked like a, a, a new man, really. Scored some terrific individual goals recently. The best one, probably uh, the one he, he got a hat-trick against Colchester. And his, uh, his hat-trick goal, he ran from just outside the the edge of our own penalty area and ran the full length of the, of the pitch and scored. So, yeah, he's certainly been boosted up. Always given him almost free license. Sounds like he's one to watch then, really. James Hansen probably is one to single out. He, his early season form was terrific. He was scoring goals for fun and then he went for a real dry spell and struggled a few, with a few little niggly injuries as well. But he scored, I don't know, three goals in four games or something like that. Yeah, so... He's, he's, you know, he's found a big problem. So that's, that's part of that's probably the Holloway effect, but also probably the way that he's got us playing. He's set us up to be much more attacking and much more expansive in the way we play and getting the ball out wide and, and having a real go at teams. Brilliant. So this Saturday then, we are recording this, I should say, before the Tuesday night games, but I always ask our opposition fans for a prediction for the game um, the one thing that I will say in advance is that we have been known to come and spoil a party up at Lundell Park and uh, Ian Holloway doesn't like us either is the other thing that I should maybe make you aware of I think when he was in charge of QPR he said that our fans were like animals after he'd lost 3-2 at Sixfields uh, in a game for QPR but what's your prediction for this Saturday are you worried about facing up or are you thinking no we can we can get revenge on that 2-0 loss the last time out no I don't think we worried um, I think uh, they were uh, more than happy to take take it to take the, the match teams and have a real go I think I went to the last home game against Morecambe and as you can imagine Morecambe set up very tightly not to concede you know played basically a 4-5-1 formation very deep and made it difficult for us um, but the more the game went on the better we played and the more we got behind them and created opportunities really so I think it's a different game I think after you guys are you know, up near the top of the table you've got to go I think it'll be a more open game um, I think there'll be goals it's fair to say that because we, we like I say we play in this more open game so if I was to go for a prediction I'd say maybe maybe 3-2 to Grimsby it'd be quite tight and that's fair Thanks to our Grimsby fan. Um, well, welcome back to the sane pod that we like to call It's All Cobblers to Me. Um, Grimsby! Grimsby away <laughs> then. <laughs> Ian Holloway. Chips. Ian Holloway obviously <laughs> took charge of, uh, <laughs> of, of the Mariners. Not Charles, so long ago. Yes. You you failed to mention that Grimsby famously playing Cleethorpe. Let's <laughs> not start that again. <laughs> Can't believe you've not led with that. For Shocking. once, it's factually accurate. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Ian Holloway uh, has taken charge at Grimsby. He's also become a member of the board and paid some money to buy some shares. And he's done some other sort of stuff, like given rallying cries to their supporters in a bingo hall and um, probably gone out what? on a boat and caught some fish as well. Um, that's all it'll happened. be chickens, Charles. It'll be chickens. Well, he no, got it's, Grimsby. it's Grimsby, so they go no, fishing I know, but he owns chickens, doesn't he? I he don't care about him and his chickens. <laughs> has he got Grimsby, uh, has he got Grimsby bedsheets now? Well? I've, heard, I've heard he's changed his name to Ian Salmon. <laughs> <laughs> It's the rumour. Oh, flying around, yeah. flying, around, flying, around, flying around the streets of Cleethorpes. That's the rumour. Did rumor. he have his interview in a fish and chip shop? Yeah. He did. Yeah. yeah. Sat there with his, uh, you know, yesterday's newspaper and what do you think he had? blue plastic spork. <laughs> I think he had no, plates and chips. Do you reckon? Plates, I reckon yeah. he strikes me as a fish cake man. Oh, fish cake man. He's definitely mushy peas man. Oh, yeah, definitely mushy peas. Probably and, just... And gravy. Tips can the of, pot in his mouth. <laughs> can of Coke on the side. 
He don't like us, does he, Old Holloway? He doesn't, does he? No. Did we, used to, we used to sing We Never Beat the Cobblers to him, didn't we? We did, yeah. And to be fair, it was true at the time. Uh, obviously, there was he was in charge of Bristol Rovers, wasn't he, in 1998? Mm-hmm. For that fabulous uh, victory in the playoffs. I know it was over two legs, but even so. And also, uh, he was in charge of QPR when Paul Trollope scored an amazing volley. QPR? <laughs> 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 Well, it was in, it was in charge of QPR when they were two 0 up and we won three two. He was and um, Derek Asamoa ran the length of the pitch to score yeah. the winner. Yeah, and he, and he called us all animals after the game. He did, yeah. He say it is the worst uh, the worst home fans he's ever experienced or something, wasn't it? It was something like that. Yeah, it wasn't very nice to the old boys and girls of Northampton, was it? Was it? Yeah, that, this was before his Blackpool time, though. So, is it in Grim- Grimsby? Is it or? It is at Groom, well, Cleethorpes, yes. You have got to say, though, that, that Ian Holloway is comedy gold at all times, so it is going to be entertaining at the very least, isn't it? Oh, he's brilliant. Did anyone ever hear about his uh, escapades with a metal detector on Talk Sport? A what, what, what? <laughs> so he, he goes on Talk Sport occasionally, doesn't he? He's like a, 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 an analyst or whatever it is. And uh, I think it was on Max Rushton's show. A uh, friend of the pod, Max Rushton, that is. He, he, he was late. He should have been in the talk sports studio to do like a feature on, uh, you know, a, a, a club or whatever, some football match that had happened. But he'd been out with his Christmas presents that his wife had bought him, which was a metal detector. Oh, and- yes, I have heard about this. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely comedy genius, that man. He literally, I just love him for the fact that he just makes me howl of laughter. Do you ever remember when he, um, he was um, manager at Plymouth and they played AC Milan and he fell off his chair when he got told? No. Do you not remember? This is years ago. So he they played AC Milan um, in a friendly in like July sometime. And I was going to say it must told- have been pre-season, yeah. Yeah, and when they told him... It wasn't in the league, was it, Charles? <laughs> <laughs> when, when the um, people... T- when, when the journalists were like, oh, so how did you react when uh, you got you got told that AC Milan were going to be playing Plymouth? And he literally just, like, rolled off his chair. <laughs> You'll have to, I mean, it went rounds... It did the rounds on Soccer AM, like, for years. It was hilarious. I'm sure... I'm, I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. Controversially, I think Ian Holloway is actually a bit of a player. Really? Not a yeah. fan of the Holloway? Not not a fan of him. I used to not. I used to think he was all right. It's just annoying now. I find him very annoying. He's a bit too much of a character. <sighs> he knows he's a character now. And yeah. He plays on it. That's the problem. Whereas before, he didn't necessarily know he was a character. And it was just genuinely funny and he was genuinely I'm, sh- I'm sure he's a lovely guy and stuff but actually f- i find him quite annoying now sorry sorry to the holloway loving <laughs> <laughs> uh, i was just going to mention say the fact because obviously he has bought in or bought shares in grimsby when he took charge and there was a mention on um there's a great podcast called the price of football where a grimsby fan asked about ian holloway buying shares in the club and how that maybe works and stuff and kieran Maguire, who's the the price of football guy the the accountant that knows everything about football finance he was basically saying that essentially ian holloway is just basically given like a, a grand gesture to sort of say thank you to Grimsby for getting him back into football again. And he's basically sort of said, look, I'll buy some shares in the club and, you know, you can you can put it towards X, Y or Z to make the club better and saying it was a really, really good thing. But I remember Phil Brown did exactly the same thing when he took over at Southend United. And when it came to having to, they needed to sack Phil Brown, it was a real struggle for them to do so because he was essentially had a stake in the football club financially as well. It, it just worries me ever so slightly for Grimsby that you've got a manager who's actually maybe got, even maybe if it isn't the smallest amount of say in how the football club works, it, it worries me. How are you going to sack him if you need to? It's a good point. a good point. I don't care, but no. it's a good point. <laughs> it, it's exactly what I was thinking when you were saying it. I was thinking, well, I didn't, I didn't realise you'd bought shares. And it is that, well, you can't sack me now, can you? I kind of own part of the club, so I'm here. Imagine Keith Curl buying shares in Cobblers. Oh, my God. Oh, the can you imagine the fan base? <laughs> can renaming, I just... renaming the West Ham, the Keith Curl's <laughs> <Yeah. hand. laughs> Can I just point out that it was Real Madrid, and I've just sent you all the link to look at him falling off a chair, if you'd like to see it. I'm Chris I'm... Wilder, and it's all Cobblers to me. So, Danny, take us through what's happened with Grimsby since uh, Ian Holloway took over. 
they've won some games, they've drawn some games, they've lost some games, uh, Charles. They've won five, drew three and lost three. So that points to an upturn in their fortunes. They were on 23 points when he came in and now they're on 41. So they've almost doubled their tally since he's come in. So all happy days up in Fishland. They've got a squad, haven't they? They have got a squad, Neil. I was going to come to their squad. <laughs> I didn't know that they've got a couple of players that I didn't realise they've got. Um, Billy Clark. They do. He yeah, he's quite Irish. good, isn't he? Scored a hat-trick for us once, didn't he? On his, was it on his he's debut? on his debut, yeah. Never appeared yeah. again. Yeah. Never, never did anything else. <laughs> they've, got got a great, they've got a goalkeeper called Ollie Battersby, which is great for the fishing That's That is a Grimsby name. <laughs> Ollie Battersby. <laughs> <laughs> Famously cousin of Ashley Hoskins. Um, <laughs> they've got James Hansen. They do. He was a menace when we played them up here, wasn't he? An absolute menace. They've got Matt Green. They've also got um, Ludwig Oman. He sounds like yeah. a bad guy from a Marvel film. They've got Ludwig Oman. Scott Pollock's brother, Matthew. Matthew Pollock. Matthew Pollock. Yeah. Have, they, have they really got somebody called Pollock in their team? Yeah, Matthew Pollock. They do. Pollock, Battersby. They've got Jake Hessenthaler as well, who looks like Sam Hoskins' long-lost brother. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few of their players that look like Sam Hoskins, actually. Although, I'm not sure. If you look at Harry Davis, one of their defenders, it looks like Dennis Burkamp. <laughs> Long lost relative, maybe. High praise indeed. He could well be. Their squad's not as impressive as I initially thought, so um, <laughs> I'll stand down. Yeah, so they're, they're 16th in League Two, 41 points. I mean, they're not they're not a threat, are they? Well, I think we're lucky to be playing them now and not in a couple of months' time, because I think now that Holloway has steadied the ship, I think they can only get better. They're going to be one of those teams that have had a really dreadful start and he, he'll he come in and he's steadied the ship as he's done but I do think that that if we were playing him perhaps in a month or two's time they could be quite dangerous I was just reading Ian Holloway's interview after the game against Swindon uh, which they lost 3-1 and he was asked about the weather because it was windy obviously and he said it is what it is isn't it we're all having to live in this and if we don't sort if we don't sort the ozone layer out and learn to live better and cleaner then our grand- grandchildren won't have a world which is quite love him. I'm quite back on deep, board. Isn't it? No, he's like proper Go pro on, environment. He like he grows all his crops and everything. He like had a farm with chickens and all sorts. Love him. Back on board. Get him in. He was asked about changes for their gate. They got Newport on Tuesday. He was asked about changes. <laughs> he said, uh, "Stop asking me that. I'll do whatever I want whenever I see fit." Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, there we go. It's Billy Big Balls now. He's got his chairs and he. <laughs> yeah, he's back. <laughs> so let's get some predictions then. Neil, we'll start with you. Uh, Grimsby next Saturday in Cleethorpes. Is it a 3pm kickoff? It is. Hmm. What's the weather going to be like? Do we know? Moist, damp, sodden and windy. Okay, so I will go <laughs> 4-1 Cobblers. 4-1? Yeah. Uh, all of these day. goals going to be scored by Sam Hoskins? No, don't be, don't be ridiculous, Charles. Sam Hoskins will score a penalty and I think we'll see a goal for Harry Smith. Ooh. Ooh. And I think we will see two from an unusual source. And that unusual source will be Lloyd Jones. Mm-hmm. That is an unusual, unusual. source, considering Ooh. he's not scored for us yet. Jeffy, your prediction for Saturday against Grimsby? 3-2, us. Oh, a humdinger of a game. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of those where we just snatch it. Snatch it late on. Goal scorers? Hoskins, Good, Animal. In, In that, that order. order. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm going to go with race I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> good animal, Hoskins. Good animal. Good on the animal. Who's our Hoskins coming up on the other side? Good animal. Good animal. Good animal. Good animal. <laughs> that was brilliant. Oh I'm, I'm going to go for a one-all draw, and we'll we'll snatch that equaliser in the very last minute. Snatch it, um, Ryan Gilligan style. Just yes. before the balloons go off. Just, or just before the balloons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're do it. They'll be there perched ready to go. They do it every home game. We didn't do some more about it. <laughs> yeah. So that's what's going to happen. It will be a goal scored by Chris Lines. Oh, that's a big shout. To me, he he's the one that looks most like Ryan Gilligan. That leaves Danny. It does. 2-1 to Northampton Town, Charles. Two the Cobblers. That's the one, Neil. Yeah, I think Billy Clark's going to score uh, to open the scoring. And then we're going to equalise through the turn dog. 
off the bench, 10 minutes to go, comes James Oyalinka. Ooh. With a bursting Ooh. run and a shot Ollie. to the top corner. Oh, Ollie Winky sticks Winky. to Ollie. Oh, like there it. you go. You've written, you've written the headline already. Anything else that anybody would like to mention about the Cobblers this week? Yes. Um, I've just checked the weather for the week ahead, and it suggests it might snow on Thursday. So not, not Cobblers related, but there we go. Well, we snowed in all week, I think. So it could be cobblers related if it's yay for me. It affects Grimsby. It could be, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at Northampton weather, not Grimsby weather. Let me look at Grimsby for you. Here we I'm go. Look, it's exciting, exciting stuff. This. No, we're all right, Grimsby. So a storm. You know, we're on the storm names going down the list, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Ellen's next, isn't it? Well, I thought that, but then I thought it might be egg. Storm egg. <laughs> storm egg is on its way. We, egg, yeah, egg, we should. Egg, 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 every time there's a storm, we should name it after a cobbler's player. Oh, we should. Storm egg. We should. This this has got to be F on Elab then next, surely. Yeah, oh, storm, storm F on. Yeah. Storm F on. Gotta be. Perfect. Brilliant. I sometimes storm. dream of F on Elad. And that's it for this week's It's All Cobblers <laughs> to Me. Thanks very much for listening. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why not leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or podchaser.com. We'll be back again next week, supporting the Cobblers as usual, unlike you, Mike Fuller, Leeds United indeed. It's a... Mash up. We are not all leads. Make sure you get the bubble wrap for the animal. Bye, Ash. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.